morning. We are, as Mike said, kicking off a new series, Greater Than. And we're talking about in this series is the fact that Jesus is always greater than what is before us. Whether it is temptation, whether it is a crisis in our life, He is always greater than. He, he's not equal to. It's not a tie. He is never less than. He is always, always, always greater than. And we see that throughout the book of Hebrews. But today, to kick off this series, we're going to back up a little bit and actually start in the book of Matthew. So you want to go there, feel free to. Matthew 6. Now, it's one thing to say Jesus is greater than whatever I'm going through, greater than this, greater than this. It's one thing to say that when everything is going right, but it's a little bit harder to live it out, correct? It's one thing just intellectually acknowledge that Jesus is greater, but when you have to live it out, it's harder. Now, it gets even harder when you have to live it out and you're scared, when you're afraid. It's hard to say Jesus is greater or truly live it out when you're worried. Now, when I put all those three together, fear, scared, and worry, we usually treat worry a little bit differently, right? We think of worry as different. Kids get scared. They're afraid. Worry, we legitimize and we excuse away. But here's the thing. Worry and being afraid are the same fundamental emotion. They are. It's just we like to think to ourselves, kids are scared. Adults get worried, right? We legitimize. We worry about real things that, that really matter. But it's the same fundamental emotion. Worry is just fear with a tie on and a career. Like that's all worry is. It's the same fundamental thing. And if the thing is, we don't see what worry actually costs us. I think that's what we have to, to get at today. And I think we see this especially. Have you ever actually gone to somebody with advice when you're worried? Have you ever done this before? You go to someone and they mean extremely well. They do. They're, they're caring. They're a compassionate person. You go to them. You say, man, I'm really worried about this. And they look at you and it's like they have this spark of brilliance in their eyes. They're about to spit out some wisdom. And out comes, hey, you shouldn't worry. <laughs> Thanks. That helps out so much, right? Uh, they say that like that. That's the entire key to it. Hey, just don't worry. That helped me absolutely none whatsoever. Or maybe you go to a, a brother or sister in Christ. Someone's also a believer. And you say, Hey, man, I'm really worried about this. I'm scared about this. And they look at you and they truly feel like they're about to change everything. They go, Hey, Bible says not to worry, and then they just walk off. <laughs> That instantly made me not worry. Now, here's the thing. Does it matter the Bible says not to worry? It absolutely does. When the Bible says don't do things, it truly means don't worry. It's not just suggestion. It's not just a, a high achiever's goal. When the Bible says not to worry, it truly matters. But here's the thing. The Bible very rarely, if ever, just says don't do something and then doesn't give two things. Why? And how to not do it. That's usually what's missing. All of us know that we're called to not be afraid. We're called to not worry. But what's missing from most of the advice that people give is why we're not supposed to. And how do we actually not do that? That's what I want to look at today in Matthew chapter 6. I want us to see the how and the why. Because the why is the driver behind all of this. We have to see what worry actually costs us because it's such a common part of our life that we just assume 
It's there. It will always be there. It's like a pet at this point. We assume worry will always be there, and we don't see actually what it costs us. So let's look at that. Matthew 6, verse 25. We'll be there for quite a while. Matthew 6, verse 25. It says this from Jesus himself. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food, and the body more than than clothes. What's Jesus getting at there? He's asking us this. Is what you're worrying about, is it worth worrying about? I want you to think about that. Is the thing that's currently on your mind, because we all have things we're worrying about, ask yourself this, is it worth it? Is that thing worth the actual worry in your life? Because here's the thing. When we worry about things, we always make them bigger than what they currently are. Like the thing that we're worried about right now, we say, of course it's a big thing. Because it's right now. But the thing is, when we worry, we always make whatever it is larger. Whether it's money, whether it's actually clothes, like it's talking about here. Whether it's the things in our lives that, yes, they matter, but are they worth your worry? Here's a good question. Will it matter a few short days from now? Will it matter next week, next month, next year? Will the thing that you're worrying about and you're afraid of right now, will it matter then? Because here's the thing. We all make them seem bigger, and I'll prove it to you. If you're a married couple here, or you've been in a serious dating relationship, tell me if you've ever done this. Have you ever been talking with your spouse, your wife, your husband, longtime boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, and you're in casual conversation, you brought up this time that you were arguing? <laughs> And you say, man, that time we were arguing at the restaurant, we were arguing about that. And, and then they said, yeah, I do remember that. And then he asked the question, what were we arguing about? I don't remember. <laughs> Is that not the most like, anybody ever done that other than just me? Is that not the most sinking feeling ever? You're arguing about something and you remember it being a terrible argument and you don't remember what it was. You suddenly think, sitting there think, either I am losing my memory right now or we argue over dumb stuff. Those are the two options that are on the table right there. Usually it's, it's the first one. Why, why did you ever argue about it? Because what is right in front of you always seems bigger. What you're worried about that moment always seems bigger. I think the second thing Jesus brings up in Matthew 6.25 is what does your worry say about what you value? Because if you're worried about it, it matters to you. The thing is, is the thing that you're worried about, are you actually proud that that is what you value? What he's getting at here is, hey, money and food and those things matter, but is that what you want to value above utmost? If you're worried about it, you care about it. Is that what we are called to worry about? Well, I was thinking this from my own life. I remember back when I was graduating from Tarleton State, and my plan um, at that time was to go and be a pastor somewhere, but there weren't any doors opening for that. And so I had a history education degree. And I had previously wanted to be a coach. I felt like God called me away from that and into ministry. Um, and so what I was left with is I had a history education degree, so I could teach history, but I didn't want to coach. And you just can't do that in Texas. Like, that's wrong. All right, if you're teaching history... You are coaching. That is, God ordained it as such, right? Well, God had changed his plans, and so, so okay, you want me to head into, into ministry, vocational ministry. He's really teaching and coaching his own ministry, but I felt God called me away from that ministry 
to this ministry here. But in the meantime, I needed to pay the bills. And so I was off trying to find a teaching job. And I was obviously not in very much demand. So literally every school in the state of Texas in 2012, they had my resume. I can tell you right now, they didn't all call. <laughs> I, I was hitting up the highways going and talking to principals. Um, like, hey, did you get my resume? Ah, Russell McCarson, nice to meet you, you know. Um, and I, I discovered something. If you're job searching right now, this may be bad news for you, but I discovered something. If the principal or the person hiring looks at you and says, oh, I saw your resume. It was a great resume, meaning they love the font choices and how you cleaned it up and everything. That's their nice way of saying you're underqualified, but I can tell you're trying. All right, that's what that means. So it's like, oh, thank you so much. I didn't realize that until afterwards. Um, now, me doing all that, applying to everywhere and going on the road and shaking hands, was that a good thing? Yeah, that was a good thing. I wanted to... <laughs> I wanted to not boomerang back home. Like, that was a good thing. It was a good thing to be driven. Here's what was not a good thing. Me laying awake at night, not getting any sleep, worrying about if I was going to get a phone call. That was worry. And I had to sit there and think to myself, why am I worried about this so much? Yes, I need to go out and get a job. And I was doing all the things that I could within my power to do that, praying about all those things. But I was losing sleep over it. What did that say? Here's why I came to the conclusion. I didn't like the conclusion very much. The conclusion was this, is that I wasn't so much as driven to success in these things. I was worried about what if I don't get hired on and that will lead to people thinking something about me. That's an unhealthy thought, isn't it? That's getting your purpose from the wrong place. My fear showed a really poor mindset and a really bad identity I had in my life. Yeah, the question, the hard question we have to ask is, what does our worry say about what we value? When we get down to the bottom of that, we may not like the answer on that. Look where Jesus goes next in verse 26. Look at this. It says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you worry by worrying at a single hour to your life? I love where he goes with that in the very end. It's a simple statement. What do you get when you worry? What has worrying given you? I want you to seriously think about that. What has the actual act of worrying ever given you? I was prepping this message, and I sent this part off to uh, Mike. I said, hey, Mike, do you have any ideas on what to add on to here? <laughs> his, uh, his, his add-on there was things we actually lose when we actually fall into worry what it takes from us and here was his list he said restless nights i'm like yeah i get that absolutely less hair that's messed up mike that's really messed up right there um but i have to agree with it right i've worked with teenagers for five years look what happened no, i'm just kidding um we, all the teenagers are gone you can laugh at don't worry about it um but really what look what it costs us and really when we worry we actually become in a less healthy space it really does cost us health-wise, but also costs us in relationships. It also costs us in a place where we're not as healthy spiritually. And it's easier to fall into sinful habits, into temptation, into addictions even. We have to see what actually it gives us. It's nothing that we actually want. I think about this. If you pulled out your phone right now, you can do this with me, and you go open to your bank app. Everybody opens up their bank app and they close it, don't look at it, right? 
you open up your bank app and you're just sitting there staring at it and you're just worried about it. Are the numbers going up? Are any of them going up? You're worried about it. Yes, we do so much time worrying. Are they going up? Let's crowdsource this. Everybody worry about my bank account. (laughs) Try harder. It's not helping. (laughs) The breakfast taco from this morning from the cafe is coming out. It's going down right now. It doesn't give us anything. It only takes. It never gives. It only takes. It takes our peace of mind. It takes our health. It opens up to spiritual warfare even. It leads us into sinful habits we never wanted. And here's the thing that takes the most. It takes away a healthy, thriving relationship with Christ. It doesn't take our salvation. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, what it does, is it takes away this growing relationship. Because when we worry, what we're inherently saying is, God, I know that you're in charge, but I'm not going to act as if that's true in this moment. It damages that relationship. Worry never makes anything bigger. It never makes anything better. It only makes it bigger. It never gives. It only takes. It never heals. It only hurts. And I want you to see how that works out in Matthew 6, 28, verse 28 through 30. It says this, Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Jesus' words, not mine, but they're true. They're so true. What we inherently have to see is this. What does my constant worry, and I've been in this battle myself where I had to ask, what does my constant worry say about my trust in God's goodness and his love for me? It's not an easy question to ask, is it? It's not a fun one, but it's necessary. What does my worry say about my trust in Christ? Worry shows who we're trusting, either us, someone else, or God. The thing is, we fall into worry when our trust is in us and in some other people because they eventually let us down. Worry says God can take care of eternity, but not right now. Think about that. If you're a believer in Christ today, you've trusted that Jesus and all His goodness and His death on the cross has saved you for all eternity. You're a child of God. You went from being an enemy of God to being a child of God and a co-heir with Christ now into eternity. That's some good news, isn't it? Like That's some really, really good news. And I say this with all of us. I have to remind myself of this every day. If I trust God with that, that most important thing, my eternity, my very soul, How can I not give over worry of finances? Worry of whatever it is that you're worried about today. It pales in comparison to that. And so I encourage us to match our trust in God and how what He managed our eternity and what He gave for us on the cross with our worry of the day to day. Because when we do that, our actual relationship with Christ infinitely grows. And I think above all, worship of God comes out When we actually say, God, you know what? I'm entrusting you with this. That's worship in that moment. When you you push away worry from your life, saying, God, I'm trusting you in this, you're worshiping him in that moment because you're saying, God, I trust that you're powerful enough. Look where Jesus goes next. He says this. 
So don't worry saying, what shall we eat? Verse 31. Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. That's an interesting statement to bring up. Why do you bring up the... When he says pagans there, he means those who didn't know Christ. Why do you bring that up? What he was getting at is this. He's saying, you know, it's part of our human condition, our sinful nature to worry. That's why it comes so naturally to us. Anybody ever teach you to worry? Nope. Just naturally good at it, unfortunately. It's because it comes out of our sinful nature. What he's getting at there is like, look, the rest of the world who also has a sin nature worries. When you choose not to worry and to trust in God in all things, you're different. And sometimes we're afraid to be different. But here's the thing is when we're different, it gives power to our testimony. In other words, think of this. Think of a person in your life who does not know Christ and you know them well. Like you do life with them. They're a coworker, They're a family member. Maybe even be your immediate family or a lifelong friend. They do not know Christ. And imagine how much it would have an impact on them if you personally removed the constant worry from your life. Would they notice it? I guarantee they would. Here's the thing. Don't leave that hypothetical. That person has a name. I want you to see their name right now in your mind. They have a name. And when we act differently, they take notice, don't they? That's the idea. We're called to be different. And when we're different, the world takes notice. Jesus, Jesus ends with this. There's 33. But seek first His kingdom. And his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't live in constant fear of what tomorrow and tomorrow will bring, but instead seek first the kingdom of God. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we let today's troubles be enough and not worry about tomorrow? Because we've seen how much it costs us, right? We've established why we shouldn't. So the next time somebody says, man, I'm worried. Hey, don't worry. Here is why, though. Now let's talk about the how. Because the how is what's also missing. How do you actually functionally stop worrying? Let's talk about that. Three basic fears. Okay, we'll do the number one first. Because why would we start on number two? Anyway, number one first, fear of the unknown. Who in here, you like to have a plan? That is you. There, God created plans for a reason, so we should have them, right? Uh, some of us are not planners. Like, my wife is a planner. I'm not. Our vacations are always interesting because of that. Like, what do you want to do today? I don't know. Make it up as we go. Um, we, some of us have plans. Some of us don't. But all of us like to generally know what's going to happen. That's universal, isn't it? We all want to know what's happening. But the thing is, in life, is we don't. And we have this misconception that if we only knew what was going to happen next, then we could trust God, couldn't we? God, if you would just tell me what's going to happen the next day and the day after that, the day after that, then I would be good. But look what he says in Psalms 119, 105. He said, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. When we think of that passage, I think we oftentimes think of high beams on a highway. We think of the mag light we have in our house that like is half mag light, half baseball bat, you know, lights up the world. It's a lamp to my feet in the next 70 yards. That's not what that's referring to. Put yourself in those shoes. Your word is a lamp for my feet. What lamp is he talking about there? It's a little bitty flickering flame. Okay, they didn't have mag lights at that time. Your word is a lamp into my feet. 
a way of imagining that is imagine you were in that time, Jesus and before, and you're out in the wilderness, out in the desert. Have you ever been out in the woods at night? You're a grown man, and you hear the coyotes, and they're like 200 yards away. You're like, I don't like this. <laughs> this ain't cool. <laughs> and you, what you want to know is just what's right in front of you. Like, I would love to see all that's around me. I'd love for it to be broad daylight. I will settle for what's right here in front of me. I remember I was a, <laughs> I'm not a planner, <laughs> and so I was deer hunting one morning at my family's land up in North Texas, is in the back part near the Brazos, and it was pitch black dark, okay? It was like 5 a.m., I'm getting the deer stand early, and I don't have a mag light because that would be the responsible thing to do. I have those little like $2 flashlights you get at the gas station, right, that lasts you about a day and a half. I have that, and I'm, I'm getting here. I can barely see what's right in front of me. And I hear the squeal of pigs. <laughs> and if you guys are hunters, you're like, oh, it's piggies. No, it's not. Um, those things are gross, nasty, and mean. And I hear them running behind me. And I'm a grown man. And that moment, <laughs> I was not. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. Like, I am terrified. Somehow I have a gun in my hand, but I'm doing this, you know. It terrified me. All I could see was immediately around me. I want you to think about that, what that emotion is like. You have to place your trust in something, and it's generally speaking not yourself, is it? The idea is this, is God says, I'm a lamp unto my feet. It's this idea. He gives us enough to go for the next couple of feet. He doesn't give us all the information indefinitely, does he? Because here's the thing. Ask yourself this, if you knew how tomorrow and the day after that 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 would go, would your faith be better or worse for it? Would it be better or worse? So I've got to really appreciate it. So I want to ask, would your faith be better or worse? I think it would be worse. Mine would. I found that I trust God and my faith grows the most, not when everything is going right and everything's going according to plan, but when there's crisis and I'm scared. I think God knew that. He says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'll provide light for your feet. But I know if I just illuminate everything on like its broad daylight, you won't walk as close with me. God knew that. And so rather than saying, I have a fear of the unknown, understand this. Sometimes the unknown's a blessing. Because without the unknown, I'm not sure we would walk as closely with Christ as we would otherwise. I think the next fundamental fear is a fear of man. You say, I'm, I'm not feared of man. Yeah, yeah, we all have a little bit of a fear of man. Because let's be honest, people in our lives, they've hurt us, haven't they? People have taken things from us by all means. But look where Jesus goes next in Matthew chapter 10, just a few short chapters later. He says this, Matthew 10, verse 26. He says, don't be afraid of them, referring to people, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell, referring to God. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even in the very hairs of your head are all numbered. There's a lot of bald jokes today. So do not be afraid. You're worth more than sparrows. I love that last line. You're worth more than sparrows. Sometimes we have this idea that because things are going chaotic, 
God doesn't see us or care about us. He does. He sees us. He sees our every need. And what I think we're having to remind ourselves of this is that God sees our need and He still cares about us. And let's be honest right here, especially as we look back at verse 28 and 29. Men can take things from us. People can hurt us. But there are some things they can't touch. And it's God's love that He gave us. The world can't touch that. The good news of the gospel, the world can't touch. The love that He gave you, the world can't touch. The eternity that He promised to you through what Christ did, the world can't touch that. Nothing can. That's why Paul wrote his prison letters with such confidence. Read the book of Philippians. He writes about joy the entire time from prison. Why could he do that? Because he knew, even in prison, the Roman government, there were some things they couldn't touch. It was what Christ gave him. What the world didn't give, the world can't take. And I think we have to remind ourselves when we're in fear, especially fear of what people can take from us, we have to remind ourselves what they can't touch. Paul says it best in Romans 8, 38-39. What has to be one of the most intense passages in the entire New Testament, he describes how much the world and nothing in the world or outside of this world can take what Christ gave us. Romans 8, 38. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news. I get that what you're going through may be scary. It may be a difficult time. Nothing can touch that. That's God's gift to us. And nothing can touch that. And we have to remind ourselves that that's true, but we have to remind ourselves of it. We all have memory issues, <laughs> some of us more so than others, myself included. We have memory problems, and we have especially spiritual amnesia. <laughs> we forget the truths of God when they matter the most. We have to remind ourselves of them. That's why it's not just, oh, I read this book once. No, we meditate on it day in and day out on the fact that He loves us. His love can't be taken from us. And we read this daily to remind ourselves because our worry comes daily. You have to remind yourself of God's truth. It's not something you just lock away and it permanently stays there. It's always true. But we have spiritual amnesia within us. We have to remind ourselves of what the world can't take. And the last fear is a fear that's very real. It's a fear that for some of us it's more real than others. Some of it's more real than it is for me today. But it's a fear that all of us have. It's the fear of death. And it's something that paralyzes us. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to bring it up because there's hurt attached to it. And I get that. But here's the thing. I believe when the Bible says, do not fear, do not worry, trust in me. I think he meant that in all situations. Sometimes it's harder than others. But here's the good news. When we are facing any and all fears, even fear of death itself, Hebrews 2 will be for really the rest of the series in Hebrews. It says this. Hebrews 2.14 Since the children have flesh and blood, He too shared in their humanity. Jesus sharing in our humanity. So that by His death, He might bring the power of Him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Apart from Christ, I get the fear of death. <laughs> Apart from Christ, that's a legitimate fear. 
I want to encourage you with this. This isn't some guilt trip. This is an encouragement to you. Through Christ, we have death has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. Not just a little bit. We're talking about Jesus greater than. He didn't kind of defeat death. It wasn't a tie with sin. He utterly destroyed it and defeated it. Once and for all. We didn't, we didn't take part in that victory initially. We didn't contribute to it. That was a group project that we really didn't help that much with. But He gave us that victory. He gave that to us. So in our greatest time of need, we have victory in Him. And this isn't a scare you to the cross message. No, this is a join in the victory that Christ gave us message. This is the greatest gift we have ever been given. Is the greatest and best news in our greatest time of need and worry. And that's the good news that we carry. Man, my encouragement to you guys is this, is that what would it look like if the fear of the unknown, the fear of man, the fear of death, I get that those are scary things at the surface level, and I get that the initial act of fear is there and worry is there. But believers, the church, what would it look like if we said, because of what Christ has done for us, I do not fear? We'd be different, wouldn't we? We would be radically different. I think that's a different that the world craves. It's a different that the world wants to see in us. I encourage you, what's your next step today to trust in that? Is it to say, I'm not going to accept a little bit of worry in my life. I'm going to lay it at the foot of the cross. Is it you need to remind yourself of God's goodness that destroys any and all fear in our lives? What is your next step today? I pray that we take that. And for some of you, maybe it's believing in Christ for the first time today. You may have eternal salvation with Him now and forever. That death has been defeated and you join in that victory. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you. God, we pray that that you've defeated death. Death has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. Your goodness and love never leaves us. God, may that impact our lives. May we never forget that, Lord. May we meditate on that day and night, Lord, that we may be different, that we may cast out fear and worry from our lives a little more each day. For some of us here today, Lord, maybe we've been trying out church. Maybe there's something new to us. But the first time today, you realize that Christianity isn't some guilt trip. It's not some self-help. It's the good news of the gospel that sin and death has been defeated. And it's your day to join into that victory, to believe in Christ today. Maybe you mark that belief in your life, a simple prayer, praying, Dear Lord, I am broken. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that Savior is Jesus Christ. I thank you for everyone believing in you today, Lord. And I pray all the more for every believer who has been a believer for months or weeks or years or decades, Lord. May the good news of the gospel cast out any and all fear, Lord. Any and all. It's in Christ's name we pray.